0: Well, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Uh, Chapter two, and turn into chapter two, and open. You can open your U version Bible app if you have the Bible app on your phone. Open that up, and you can go to down at the bottom where it says more. Then go to events, click that. You'll find our message notes. All of our message notes are in the U version app. You can save them. You can add notes. You can take them home with you and study them later. And so, turn to the book of Ephesians, and uh, and we're gonna. Go from there to Ephesians 2. I hope that uh, everyone this last week, I know we had we had a few stormy days this last week, and I hope everybody's made it through those stormy days uh, well. You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of people uh, in our community, even in our church, that are still recovering from the first storm uh, they call it Ian, right? I always have a hard time naming storms and referring to storms. They're, they're storms, right? And uh, But they have, a lot of people are having a hard time recovering from Ian. And then you get this second storm. Nicole comes through. And now some, there's a lot of people, especially over on Beachside, that are trying to put their lives back together. And, and so I just want to, you know, in some cases, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do but pray. And so I want to just continue, I want to ask you just to continue to keep our, uh, in our prayers those that are trying to put their lives back together uh, and, uh, and trying to, to find a way to put their lives back together. So just continue to pray uh, for those. As you see people, as you see piles of stuff on the side of the road or you know people that their houses, they've had to move houses and homes or their homes are destroyed You know, just stop and pray and pray and pray and keep coming before the Lord in prayer. God has a way of answering those prayers and moving on behalf of people. Uh, In some cases where you may never even know it, but I will tell you one thing. God moves when you pray. Amen. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a story in the book of Mark where Jesus is with his disciples. They're out on a boat out in the middle of the sea. And this great storm, the Bible says, comes up, and this great storm arises and begins to threaten the boat and obviously threaten Jesus and, and his disciples. And Jesus is in the midst of the storm, he's sound asleep in the back of the boat. And the disciples come to him, and they say this, they say, "Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing?" Well, Jesus wakes up, he takes authority over the wind, the Bible says, he takes authority over the wind, and then he speaks to the sea, and he says, peace, be still. He takes authority over the wind, and he speaks to the sea, and he says, peace, be still. And what happened? The Bible says that the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And so the question comes to mind, we go through storms like we did this last week and like we did a few weeks ago, and, and we look at the story of the disciples in, in, in this passage of Scripture, and the question is, how, how do we respond? How should we respond in the midst of a storm? How do you respond? in the midst of a storm? How do, you, how do you feel when the storms around you are raging, whether it's a hurricane or, or whether it's financial problems or marital problems or, or family issues or health issues? How do you respond? How are we to respond in the midst of those storms when everything seems to be coming in on you? Everybody been there? Have, have, have you ever been there where it just seems like everything's coming, coming in on, it, on you? Have you ever stopped to think in in your mind, like, I don't know if I can make it through this? Anybody ever been there? God, I don't know if I can make, like the disciples, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? You ever felt that way? God, where are you in the midst of the storm? Where are you in the midst of, of, of all of this that's taking place in my life? Where are you? You see, we often have to stop and say, how am I? To respond to these storms like this. We've been in a series out of the book of Ephesians called The Mystery of the Church. The Mystery of the Church. And the book of Ephesians is an interesting book. It's, it's really a, a, twofold, it's a twofold letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. I say twofold because the first three chapters Of Ephesians are all about what he calls heavenly places. It's all about the unseen realm. Three chapters about things that are unseen. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians is is about how to live out heavenly places in the earth. Now, how many of you know there is an unseen realm? We talk about it. The Bible tells us and teaches us about it. There is this place that the Bible calls in heavenly places. It's the unseen realm. And and there is this place where around us and right here, right now, things that we don't see with our natural eyes. But I want you to understand that what the Bible speaks of as the unseen realm or in heavenly places are, the Bible calls it the kingdom of God. It's right here. It's right now. It may be unseen to the natural eyes, and and I believe God wants us to learn how to see it, but you'll never see it with your natural eyes. You can only see it through through your spiritual eyes. Jack Hayford, Jack Hayford, who is one of my heroes, he's one of the heroes of faith in our day, Jack Hayford says the unseen realm is the space around us where we both encounter the presence of God and where the attacks of the devil take place. This unseen realm, heavenly places, is this place that's that's around us, right here, right now, in your life, every day, all the time. And it is the place where you can encounter the presence of God. You don't have to go someplace to encounter the presence of God you just have to be aware of the presence of God in the unseen realm around you this is all a mystery it's all a great mystery to us in the natural but this realm that's around us is also where the enemy comes to attack us it's also the place of of spiritual warfare And we have to be aware. We have to see this place. We have to encounter. We want to encounter the presence of God. We want to press into the presence of God. How many of you love his presence? I love his presence. I don't like it when the enemy attacks. But it is in his presence that the enemy tries to come and distract you and pull you away and get you out of his presence. He That's where he tries to thwart God's plans. And it's in this same place, in this unseen realm. And you have to be able to see it in the Spirit. In order to encounter his presence, you've got to see in the Spirit. In order to battle and war in the Spirit, you've got to know and understand you can't depend upon these eyes. Are you hearing me, church? This unseen or invisible realm is a mystery. It's one of the mysteries of God. And God wants us to search it out. He wants us to find it. He wants us to seek after and know where the mystery, where this unseen realm is. God wants us to search it out. Proverbs 25, 2, it's the theme passage of this whole series on, on the mystery of the church. Proverbs 25, 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal things in mystery or to create mystery, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. Why? You see, God hides things in mystery so that we will search it out, so that we will find him. You know, God himself is a mystery to us. We have to search him out to find him, to know him, to understand his will, his purpose in our lives. We have to search it out. It's, it's a mystery. But we have to understand God doesn't hide these things from us. He hides them for us. God wants us to have everything that he has, and he hides these things in mystery, and it pleases him. It pleases him when we search them out. It pleases God when we come before him. It pleases God when we seek after him. Are you with me, church? So I told you to turn to the book of Ephesians, didn't I? Did I say that? I'm just checking to make sure he was awake. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 Pastor Tim spoke on um, some of these passages last week, and I hear that, and I actually I heard his message, but I hear he did a fantastic job speaking uh, on the mystery of the blood of Jesus. How many know there's a mystery in the blood of Jesus? Amen? And so we're going to go back to some of the passages he did because we want some context for where we're going today. So Ephesians 2 verse 11 says, listen to this, now follow along with me, okay? One of the reasons we're going so slow with the book of Ephesians and studying this is because there's so much packed into Ephesians. There's so much. You can't just read the book of Ephesians. You can't just read this letter. You have to to stop and you have to dwell on it. You have to think it through. And so our purpose, we've been very deliberate and intentional about stopping and, and talking about these passages and the nuggets and the truths and the things that we all need to be aware of that is mentioned here. So Ephesians 2 verse 11 says, Therefore remember that you... So he's talking about me. (laughs) Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. Now, what he's saying there in that one passage, he's saying there's two races of people. There's two races of people. There's Gentiles, the uncircumcision. And there's Jews, the circumcision. That's what he's saying there. Okay, and he's, call, he's telling us that we are, we are those Gentiles. We are the uncircumcision and that there is, that, that there is another race called the circumcision of the Jews. Okay, two races, Jews and Gentiles in the flesh. And he makes a point of saying in the flesh. How many of you know in heaven there will be no Jews and no Gentiles? Are you hearing me? How many know in heaven there won't be races of people, okay? There won't be Jews and Gentiles. Let's go to verse 12. See, I can preach that one passage of Scripture, I think, all day. <laughs> That's how much there is in this book. Verse 12. At that time, you, being Gentiles, were, listen to this. This is the condition of the Gentiles. The, and Gentiles, understand Gentiles are not Christian. We think of Jews Gentiles being Christian The two races are people of Jews and everybody else. Gentiles are the everybody else at that time. Are you hearing me? There were Jews and there was everybody else. And he says at that time. So this is the condition of the everybody else. You were without Christ, verse 12. You were without Christ being alien or outsiders from the commonwealth of Israel. You were aliens. You were strangers, he says. From the covenant promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Remember I told you Ephesians, the first part of Ephesians is all about the unseen realm. The last three chapters of Ephesians is all about how to walk out, how to live in heavenly places in the world. And he says that this was our condition in the world. We were... Without Christ, we were outsiders. We were not accepted. We were strangers without promise, having no hope, and without God, where? In the world. Verse 13, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Verse 15. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is in the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God In one body through the cross. Thereby putting to death the enmity. Verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off. Who's that? Gentiles. You who were afar off and those who were near. Jews. He came and preached peace. He came and preached the gospel of Jesus to those that were near us, Gentiles, and those Gentiles at the time, and those who were near the Jews. He preached the gospel of peace. Verse 18. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Father, we pray, Lord, today, Lord, that you would take the depths of this passage, open up our hearts, help us, Lord, to understand and to be able to Uh, to, to grasp a hold, Lord, of the depth of the meaning of what you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to talk to you today for the next few minutes about the mystery of peace. Last week, Pastor Tim talked about the mystery of the blood. I want to talk about the mystery of peace. How many know peace is a mystery? Peace is not an emotion. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a mystery. Why do I say that? Philippians 4 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's what we were talking about this morning during prayer. I was saying, Open your hearts, you got to press in. He says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7 And the peace of God. Say that, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God, which is a mystery that is beyond your ability to understand, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, we have to come to an understanding. First of all, peace is a mystery, but we need to understand what peace is, in scripture, because most of us think of the peace as the world knows it, which is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's it's something we can just experience. It's 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 somebody helping me get out of a problem. so I can have peace. It's it's maybe turning off the TV or or turning off the music at times, or or maybe getting away from the noise of, of people, and we have peace. And that's what we think of as peace. The dictionary actually defines peace as an agreement to end hostility. Think of that. Peace is an agreement to end hostility. It's a state of harmony between people or groups of people, okay? So that's what the dictionary calls it. The Old Testament, how many are familiar with the word shalom? The word shalom Actually, was used by Jews as a as it still is as a it's it's like a greeting. But what it means is safety, and health, and prosperity. Okay, so it's not just getting away from stuff. It's not just a feeling, but it is a blessing. In the New Testament, peace comes from a Greek word that means to join together as one. Peace means breaking down that hostility and coming together So one. That's why the Bible tells us that if we will agree with others for our prayers, that God will answer them. If you touch anything as in agreement with each other, that it shall be done by my Father who is in heaven, right? Why? Because what we're doing is we're breaking down the differences. We're coming to this place of agreement, and in the midst of that, there is peace which brings about safety and health and prosperity. Does that make you, is that understanding a little bit better? Okay. So what I want you to grasp this morning is peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is the absence of conflict, but that's more of in the world. Peace is not just the absence of conflict or division. Peace is oneness with God and others. Are you hearing me? Supernaturally, in this unseen realm, peace, the real peace that is beyond our understanding is oneness with God and oneness with each other, okay? Now, in the world, peace just means the absence of conflict or division, right? Okay? So Paul talks in this passage about three, what I'm going to call three accomplishments of peace, And I want to just share those three accomplishments of peace, what has been done for you, what peace does or has done in your life, what peace, what is available in peace to you. Three accomplishments of peace. First, peace made all one through the blood. Pastor Tim talked about the blood, the mystery of the blood last week. Peace made all one through the blood okay? Verse 11 told us of the division between the Gentiles and the Jews, the condition of the Gentiles. Gentiles, we were without Christ. We were all outsiders or aliens. We were strangers to the covenant promises. Strangers. We didn't have any hope of ever receiving the the covenant promises. We had no hope. And we were without God in the world. That was the condition. That was, that was uh, the division that we had and the condition of the Gentiles of man. But verse 13, it says, but now. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the great intervention of God. It was like it, out of Ephesians. It said, but God, in the midst of turmoil and, and craziness of this world and life, but God. This is the same intervention right here. But he says, but now. You see, this is how we were. We were without hope. We were without Christ. We were aliens. We had no no promise that we could grasp a hold of. We were without God. But now things have changed. But now God intervenes, and there's, there's a difference now. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off. How many were once far off? I was. How many of we were once far off? In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It is the blood of Jesus that has brought us near. Verse 14. Listen to this. One, pat, one verse here, one statement. And if I could preach the whole sermon in just one statement here for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Who has made both one, made both being who? Jews and everybody else. Don't don't even use the word gentiles cuz it confuses us too much. Jews and everybody else. Right? Okay? And he says he's made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Okay, so the blood of Jesus broke down the separation between Jews and everybody else. It it destroyed the separation, the division between Jews and everybody else. And it has created this new race of of people. It it brought them together as one. It didn't just bring two together and they, they coexist with each other. It brought them together and made them one. It's a new race of people. The blood of Jesus broke this down, broke down the separation between this one race, this new race of man and God. Now, what I want you to grasp here is, and we have to understand this because it is the blood of Jesus that broke down everything that stands between Jews and everybody else. It broke it down. It destroyed it. And then it created this one new man and he broke down the blood of jesus also broke down the separation between this one new man and god we have access through this through the blood of jesus second corinthians 5:17 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation if anyone jews or everyone else if anyone is in christ he is a new creation all things have passed away division the separation, those are, the, those are Jews, we're Christians, there's all this, you know, everybody else stuff, you know, that we talk about. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Through the mystery of the blood, through the mystery of the blood, all things have become new. The blood made everything new. It's not just this, the thing that we do on, on the first Sunday of the month or whenever we share communion. I know some of you do communion every single day, which is glorious. And, and uh, you know, you may do it at home at various times or maybe when you're sick or, or we come to church and together we, in, here at New Life, we do it the first Sunday of every month, but we can do it every single day. The Bible doesn't tell us how often, but it's not just a ritual the blood of Jesus destroyed the division that is in, that was amongst man, and it destroyed and it created this new being, this new man, this new race of being that now has this separation from God completely wiped out and abolished. Destroyed. Verse 15 says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity of That is, the law of the commandments contained in in ordinances, listen to this, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Are you hearing me? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If anyone's in Christ, we're part of that one new man. He says he created through the blood of Jesus. He created in himself, in himself, in Jesus, one new man from the two. The two became one. He created in himself this one new man, thus making peace. Why? Because when you bring two into one, you have now created peace. There's peace. So Jesus, who is our peace, made all, say all, May all one through his blood. That's the power of the blood, church. How do we have our prayers answered? We come into agreement. We come into agreement for healing. We come into agreement for salvation. We come into agreement. We come into this place of agreement. It's the power of the blood working through our agreement. There's no division. We come and we say in the name of Jesus, we stand in agreement with you. I stand. You stand in agreement. We stand in agreement together. The second thing I want you to see here is is peace reconciled all to God through the cross verse 16 here says that he being jesus might reconcile them both reconcile means bringing together reconcile them both jews and gentiles to god in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity you see christians do not become jews we do not become jewish Jews do not become Christians. Are you hearing me? According to the scripture, we become one new creation in Christ. Are you hearing me? I know there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of Christians today that, that, that want to move a lot more to Jewish traditions. And, and that is not the purpose of the blood and of the cross to make us Jewish And it's not the purpose of of us to go make Jews Christian. Our purpose is to understand the power of the blood, the power of the cross, of being made this one new man that the Bible speaks of here, to become this one new man where there is no division. Does this make sense to you? This is not just my theology, theology of Steve. This is what I just read to you out of Ephesians. That's why Ephesians is so powerful. Galatians three twenty six says, "For you all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you were as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now listen to this part: There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me?" What's taking place in the world all about more division, more separations, the all confusing of gender identity and all of this stuff, that is the the way of the world to create this confusion. The way of the kingdom, the unseen realm, is that Jesus through his blood, through his cross, wants to bring us all together to be one, new, one person. That's where the power of God is. That's where the power of his blood is. It's in the oneness that, that he has created us or, or that he died on the cross, that he shed his blood for us to become. And because of that, in this unseen realm, in the kingdom of God, there's no Jew nor Greek. There's, there's no Christian or Jews. There's no, they, he goes as far as to say there's no male or female. It's what he says that's in the Bible, that's in the word. He says there's no slave or free. We are all one in Christ. Are you hearing me, church? Yeah. Then we go back to in Ephesians 2.17. It says, and he came and preached peace. Gospel. That peace is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus to you who are far off and those who were near. So what we see here is Jesus who is is our peace reconciled or made us one all made us all one to God, according to God, it made us all one through the cross. So the blood brought us together. It destroyed. The blood destroyed the separation. It destroyed this. And it was through the cross we have all been made one. Is that understanding? Is that good? Okay. Third, and this is where I want you to come and understand today. Third, peace... This mystery of peace, Jesus being our peace, peace grants access to the Father through the Holy Spirit. We have access to the Father. Now, I want you to kind of grasp this. You know, we, all, we know that God is triune, right? He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that all three, the full Godhead, is active in this passage of scripture. We have to I want you to see that this morning is that it is through the blood of Jesus, Jesus coming and shedding his blood that destroyed the separation that was trying to kill us. It destroyed that separation in the world, the division between man and and man and between God and man. It destroyed his blood, the blood of Jesus destroyed. It is through the cross in which he gave his life that we were all brought together as one. And here in Ephesians 2.18 says, for through him, through the power of his blood, through the power of the cross, we both, which was formerly two that are now one, we have access by what? One spirit, the Holy Spirit to the Father. Right there in that passage is the full Godhead at work. It's the blood of Jesus. It is, it is the Son and access through the Holy Spirit to the Father. That's powerful to me. You see, it's through Jesus that all of us, Jews and Gentiles, are able to come in one spirit into the presence of the Father. When we understand we come before the Father in His presence because of this, I want you to understand there's one way to God. Anybody ever says that there's many ways to God? This passage of Scripture, if you believe the Bible, if you stand on uh, on, on what the Word of God says, if you stand on His Word, there's one way to God. It's not through Christianity. It's not through being Jew. It's not through any other religion. It is through the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross and us in the blood of Jesus being made one through the power of the cross, coming before Him and having access to the Father. You see, when we, and, and you have to excuse me on this, and I hope this isn't confusing, but when you say I'm a Christian, what are you saying? Well, I'm not Jewish, or I'm not Hindu, or I'm not one of these others. Are you Are you hearing me? What we're doing is creating more division. And he says, there is neither Jew in this unseen realm, and this... Heavenly places, neither Jew nor Greek, male or female. We're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You see, the the idea of the division that we see in the world today, the division that is uh, between Jews and, and between Gentiles in this passage of Scripture is all in the natural. It's all in the flesh. When you read Ephesians, that's all in the flesh. He says, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. How many know God wants you to see and understand the unseen realm? He wants you to see and understand heavenly places. He wants you to live in heavenly places in this world. Are you hearing me? Am I going too far? Okay. Verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What this is saying here is that we need to understand that we don't live our life from the flesh to the spirit. We live our life from the spirit of God to the flesh. And the same spirit The exact same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I said to you a few weeks ago, what took place in the tomb of Jesus when that when that that big rock was covering the tomb? What took place on the inside of that? The Holy Spirit raising Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit moved, raised him from the dead. It was a mystery. To us, we couldn't see what was taking place, but the Bible tells the Holy Spirit raised from. Right here, Paul in Romans says, that same spirit dwells within you. That same spirit is living within you right now. And we have, to, we have to believe through the blood of Jesus and the cross. We've got to destroy this separation in, in our minds that makes us believe that, no, I'm, this, I'm, I'm human. Well, I can see things spiritually. I think about things, but then I go right back to being this fleshly human person and with open to sin and open to this and going in the wrong direction. No, that needs to be broken down as the same separation that needs to be broken down between Jews and Christians are Jews and Gentiles. Are you hearing me? There needs to be a breaking, a destroying, an abolishing of that thought. And we need to understand we live our life not from the, spirit, from the flesh being spirit, but as spirit, seeing the spiritual realm in the flesh, in the world. How do we live this life? We walk out heavenly places in the world of the flesh or the natural. Does that make sense? In those moments where you might think, Lord, I, I don't know if I can if I'm gonna make it through this. Lord, I don't know if I can survive this moment or if I can get through these turmoils or problems, or in the moment that you're saying, I don't know. If I can make it like the disciples said, Lord, do you not care that we're perishing? Understand that the same Spirit that raised Christ from dead right then and there is dwelling in you and will lift you up out of that situation, out of that circumstance. There are times in the Spirit that every one of us need to take authority over the wind that's blowing around us. There are times that every one of us have to stop and take authority over the sea and speak to the raging storm in our life and all the stuff going around us and say, no, peace, be still. Why? How can we do that? It's because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. That's what gives us the access to come boldly before the throne of grace. We don't come boldly before him as Steve Johnson. We come as Steve in Christ. Steve covered by the blood of Jesus. Steve covered by the blood and and Steve having granted access to God through the cross. I come as a spiritual being, this one new part of this one new man. I'm gonna tell you, church, I, I know some of these Ephesians concepts and principles and writings are hard to grasp. Dwell on them. Learn them. Let God speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But what I want you to see today is Jesus who is our peace. He's the one that made us one. He's the one that, it's his desire. There's no lesser and no greater. There's no good and bad. There's, there's, there's one that in Christ we are one, and we are reconciled to God as one man, as one person. We're reconciled through the cross and have been given this access at any time, any place. We have access by the Holy Spirit to the Father. Right now, right now, you have access through the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you what we call, it's commonly called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And we're closing, so I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up and But I know, I know that the Lord put it on my heart that there's several, many of us, maybe all of us, I don't know, came today. Maybe a heaviness on your heart. Maybe some issues we're working through or dealing with. Maybe some things that we're coming to church to say, God, I, I've got to hear from you about this. God, I need you to touch me in this place. Jesus prays in this, in John chapter 17, verse 9, he says, I pray for them. Jesus prays for us. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are are in the world, and I have come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be one. He wants us to be able to exercise the power of the blood, the power of the cross. He wants us to exercise the power of agreement in prayer. He wants us to live out the power of the kingdom of God in this life in this world would you close your eyes and bow your heads I was driving here this morning and just contemplating the message contemplating the service this morning and I felt the Lord say that he wants to touch you those that may be sick in body that God wants to heal people today. So I want to pray this morning. If you need healing in your body as we close, as we prepare to close, if you need healing in your body, I want you just to stand to your feet. If you've got some physical struggles, God wants to bring peace to your physical body. God wants to touch you. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. So I'm going to actually come down to the front and I'm going to ask the worship team just to play. If you're inclined to come down and let me pray with you, the Bible says that we should anoint you with all. If any among you are sick, let him call for the elders. Let him anoint you with all. And the prayer of faith will or shall make you well.